I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And welcome back to Rob and Nate Record a Podcast, our week four of Alfred Hitchcock Month, mm-hmm. our concluding week, though I'm sure this will, like some of the other directors we've covered in the past, I'm sure this is one we're going to have to revisit as mm-hmm. a function of time, because as we've said in many a recording already this month, how do you summarize Alfred Hitchcock into four films? Yeah. You just can't do it. So this is a selection of his films, not a summary, not a... Yeah, these yeah. are just just touch the surface of Alfred Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. So tonight's selection is the 1963 movie The Birds. The Birds. How many times have you seen this? I don't know how many times I've seen it, and I can't. Rem- I'm sure I've seen parts of it before I saw it for the first time. Because the first time I saw it, I want to say it was in 2002. It was shortly post mission. Okay. And I had seen... All, that was the first time you saw it? The, all the way through. I'd seen okay. bits of it, and, I'm, and I rented it because, like, i got to see this whole thing. Yeah. I think I'd seen the end, but I don't think I'd seen it since the beginning. And it's been probably 10-plus years since I've seen this movie, so I was rusty on quite a few of the details, but, man, it holds up. It's yeah. an excellent film. Yeah, it's, it's a really good film. I saw this once as a teenager. It would be sometime in the mid to late 90s, and... Like, I saw it with a group of friends around Halloween, and it terrified me. Yeah. I saw this again. This is either the third or the fourth time I've seen it. I want to say it's the fourth, but I can't remember for sure what the third uh, was. But we also watched this at a Halloween party that we hosted one year uh, here in, where we, in the complex where we live. And watched this, like, you know, in a group of people again. And this this is a fun movie to show to a group of people, yeah. especially a group of people who've never seen it before. It's kind of like Jaws. It well, yeah. I mean, in a this lot of ways, the kinetic it is. energy of it. Yeah, but it terrifies. Like you show this to somebody who's never seen it before, it really terrifies yeah. them. You know, and it's it's more a little bit more realistic than Jaws, or not realistic, relatable yeah. than Jaws, because more people see birds than That's see true. the ocean. It's it's a it's a real existential horror film, and I'm sure that's something we'll get into. But before we get too started into it, I, I did have a comment that I wanted wanted to make about this and Hitchcock's previous film, Psycho. The early 60s Hitchcock. So Hitchcock's career was just working its way up. And the 50s was a tremendously successful decade for him. And he was making these big cinemascope, widescreen, brilliant color, big actor, thriller type films. That's psychological thriller and otherwise. Tons of money. Early 60s come along and it's like, I want to do something kind of different. So, of course, the first film he did in that vein was Hitchcock. So he went from the big color, big stars to maybe one or two stars and then black and white, smaller scale. And that is a movie that is, you know, it's, it's a movie about a woman who embezzles from her boss. And then that movie smashes into a psycho killer movie and becomes a different movie. This is kind of the flip side of that. So this movie, of course, is is color. Uh, Jessica Tandy was known. Rod Taylor was known. That I believe this is Tippi Hedren's film yeah. debut. But this is a film that starts out with the romantic comedy meet cute at the bird store, and then Tippi Hedren decides to kind of teasingly pursue play an elaborate gag, play an elaborate it. gag because that's what she's known for doing. She's kind of a pre Paris Hilton type. She's yeah. the, the daughter of a newspaper publisher, and she's known for getting into escapades. So this romantic comedy premise has a dark tinge to it. There's, all, there's things that are just a little off and a little foreboding about it. And 
I was trying to think what to describe what it becomes, and I think I figured out what it is. It it, it starts out as romantic comedy, and it slowly turns into a gothic romance with what's the mystery of this family and why can't they get together and et cetera, et cetera. And then that movie is hit by the psychological end-of-the-world apocalyptic birds again again film and so both of those films are about smashing genre types together and it's just an interesting thing that that hitchcock became enamored of that at that time i don't think he really played it on past this film but these two are definitely companion pieces two of his strongest films and this film i'm glad we ended on this film it's it's a strong strong piece of work I was a little bit concerned because we both were familiar with this one that it might not hold up as well or, you know, mm. but yeah, it was good. And even though we cracked some jokes at it while we were watching it, this is just an effective film. You know, uh, even dogs. Yeah. I will tell you what, if you want it, uh, to entertain yourself on a different level, watch this with a pair of dogs. My dogs were glued to this movie. Uh, Every time especially the, the older one there but yeah. man he was glued to this movie for long segments and yeah. i was commenting that it's a plot that a dog can understand yeah birds are attacking humans i know what birds are i know what humans are i can kind of follow this movie yeah it was really entertaining to watch the two of them mm-hmm. as, as this movie progressed but yeah where, where do you want to go from here? Well, uh, should we talk about the cast? Yeah. Well, we should talk a little bit about the basic premise. You probably know what it is. So, yeah. Tippi Hedren, as mentioned earlier, is the daughter of a newspaper publisher in San Francisco. She's known for apparently getting naked in a fountain in Rome. There's this whole, as I've mentioned, there's everybody has huge backstories. And I feel like there's a, an entire different movie about, Elaborate backstories, about yeah. Tippi Hedren's summer in Rome like yeah. a couple years ago. That, that could be a movie. Yeah. And she is in a bird store to get birds for an aunt or something. Yeah, someone coming home from Europe. Yeah. And the bird's not there, and she meets Rod Taylor, who plays Mitch Brenner. Brenner. And she, he recognizes her because he's a lawyer and has seen her in court for some of her Escapades. hijinks yeah. and pranks that she likes. And so he decides to pull a prank on her by treating her like she's an employee of the bird store. She goes along with it, and then eventually there's a minor bird escape situation that happens. And. They're taken with each other, and she decides to kind of teasingly get these lovebirds that he was trying to get for his much younger sister for her upcoming birthday, and tracks him down through help of his her father's newspaper contacts to Bodega Bay, this little little town on the, in the San Francisco Bay, and deliver the birds and try to... As stealthily as possible. Stealthily as possible and kind of intrigue him into a possible romance. And then you've got these side characters like Suzanne Plachette, who's the local school teacher who had been a former romantic interest. Yeah, and named Annie Hayworth as the, as the school teacher character, who also has like a full backstory. She's got a full backstory. She's got her yeah. own movie. And then Jessica Tandy is the mother. Their father had passed away about four years before. It's kind of a weird family dynamic. Very odd family dynamic. Um, but she is not keen on Tippi Hedren. Like, she gives this, I am i don't think I like you. But this film actually has has a nice arc for them, because they become one over to each other by, yeah. by the end of this movie. Yep. And then, of course, we've got the younger sister, uh, Kathy. 
played by Veronica Cartwright, who, as we discussed a little off screen, is still working. Uh, has been working for like 60 years. Yeah. She was a child 1958 actress. and is still working now. Yeah. Yeah. She's good. Everybody's good in this. A lot of the sporting characters, that, that segment when they're in the, the little cafe and yeah. bar, I absolutely have adore Ethel that Ethel Griffey is playing Mrs. Bundy, who is the ornithology yeah. expert. And yeah. Just these characters in this bar. And, and I love the small town. I, I love the look of it and just the way people interact. And the sheriff calls... That's calls Lydia Aunt Lydia. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you I missed that. that. No. So, like, she's... Everybody's kind of close. It's an established yeah. relationship. So. Yeah. Great. It's great. It's excellent. Like you said, there's great bit parts. Yeah, this movie, it just layers well. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else to say. This movie's relatively self-explanatory. Yeah. You know, if you've seen The Birds, like, you get it. And, and I'm not sure how much... It's been homaged a lot. Oh, yeah. There's wonderful bird homage in the Mel Brooks film High Anxiety. The segment in the bar is very much homaged in Maximum Overdrive. And Night even... Shyamalan tried to do this with The Happening. Yeah. But he made a mistake that this film didn't make. He tried to explain it. And the, the reason this is so horrifying is you never get an explanation. As one of the exasperated Denzians of the cafe confronts Tippi Hedren and accuses her of being responsible. Is it her? Or is it just a coincidence? No, it's a coincidence because remember at the end, it's so much broader. Yeah. Bodega Bay is the... The epicenter. Is the epicenter, but it's all over the place. And the very beginning scene when they're in San Francisco, there's an unusual amount of bird activity outside. Yeah, and they're commenting Which on they it. comment on. And the, the bird story lady is like, it must be a storm out at sea or something. Yeah. So... This hints are dropped. I mean, you know what you're getting because you got the title, but hints are dropped. If you were to go into this film and know nothing about it and not see the title, they set this up. There's also some great, like, special effects shots, like yeah. the, the gasoline fire. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't have blown up all of those cars down the hill, but the like the gasoline following all the way back up the hill, back to the gas station, and blowing up the car. And then the uh, fire department trying to put it out with the birds attacking. The and, chaos of it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, there's there's some great scenes. And in this there's film. so many. I mean, the 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 way the birds attacks work is they lay well for a while and then they attack and then they kind of go away. Well, for they'll a bit. come in and like swarm and like they'll be they'll mass. Yeah. And then they attack. And they're massing different types of birds, crows and seagulls, things that don't occur in nature. Yeah. And so you, this film is just kind of a series after after the first attack. In Bodega, Bodega well, Bay. The, the the couple build up ones, the one where Tippi Hedren's hit by the seagull on the boat, and yep. the the other seagull crashes into Annie's house. But then you also learn that the seagulls almost capsized a fishing boat a yeah. couple days before that. And then you got the first attack at the children's party, the later attack at the cafe, at several the attacks at the attack at the school, several attacks at the house, the attack at the teach, school teacher's house. Yeah, yeah, it's just this drumbeat. Yeah, and that scene where the children flee the school, oh, yeah. that's another really effective effective scene. And the special effects are very much of their time, but Though they the still jokes work. That, the jokes that we made, my wife didn't quite appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's a teacher, so she didn't appreciate any te- you know any jokes that dealt with that. But Yeah, well, when they were getting the children ready for what they called a quiet drill. And a a I, quiet fire drill. quiet fire drill, which, which kind of perplexed me a little bit about the reason for that. I guess probably just to avoid the chaos of a fire drill situation. 
But when when they're when they're instructing the kids and go out quietly, and when me and Mrs. So and So tell you to run, run home as fast as you can. It's like if I if I'm a ten year old kid, if you can't kid, go home, run to the hotel. If I'm a ten year old kid in that class, I I burst out crying at yeah. the point. It's like when we tell you to run, run. What the heck is happening? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's some really good trivia bits on this. I'm going to go ahead and, and dive into some of these. And this one's just a funny one. But when audiences left the UK premiere premiere of this film, which was in Leicester Square, they were greeted with by the sound of screeching and flapping birds from loudspeakers hidden in the trees to scare them further. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock later revealed on the Dick Cavett show in 1968 that 3,200 birds were trained for the movie. He said the ravens were the cleverest and the seagulls were the most vicious. Oh, yeah. Tippy's Hedron, I, I told you about this, but I never told you the, the full thing. Tippy Hedron's age was listed as 28 in press releases when the film came out. It's an unsurprising fabrication considering 33 was especially old for a Hollywood starlet making her acting debut. 1935 would be her commonly reported birth for year, uh, for years, uh, birth year for the next four decades until Hedron herself put a stop to it by coming out with her real age. Now, I don't know if this might be in the uh, trivia later on, but you know the story about how she ended up casting this. No. So she was not an actress. As you said before, this was her screen debut. She was a model, and she had been appearing in a series of commercials for a now-defunct diet diet drink called Seago that aired on the Today Show, which apparently Alfred and Alma Hitchcock watched. Really? And they decided, that's who I want for the movie. And so they call up her agent. And she gets a call out of the blue, Alfred Hitchcock wants you for a movie. And they, of course, would reteam a year or two later in Marnie. Have you ever seen Marnie? No. Marnie's good. It's, it's, it's different, definitely, than this. But they had, they had kind of a difficult relationship. It was kind of a traumatic shoot for her. Hmm. And it's almost surprising that she went back and made another film with him. She, Hitchcock could be really rough. On yes. his actress, especially if they were a cool blonde, because that's what he liked, and he is a bit of a creeper. He could be yeah. a bit of a creeper, unfortunately. Yeah, Rod Taylor claims that the seagulls were fed a mixture of wheat and whiskey because that was the only way to get them to stand around so much. That's funny. I don't know if that's accurate or not. So the schoolhouse in Bodega, California, has also known to be haunted, even back when they were filming. According to Tippi Hedren, the entire cast was spooked to be there. She also mentioned how she had the feeling that, that while they were there, the building was immensely populated, but there was nobody there. When Sir Alfred Hitchcock was told about the schoolhouse being haunted, according to Hedren, he was more even more encouraged to film there, yeah. which seems seems accurate and appropriate. And that, that building, like when you do actually see the scene inside yeah. it, it is kind of creepy. It is creepy. It, it looks like a schoolhouse that was designed to scare the children in it. Yeah. Well, I don't very know about stark. that. I mean, it seemed like it was functional yeah. to a certain extent. But, but it's very stark. Yeah. Yep. And it seemed outdated even at this point. Mm. So I guess multiple endings for this film were considered. And one that was considered would have shown the Golden Gate Bridge completely covered by birds. That would have been overkill. Part of me thinks it would have been effective, but I agree it would have been overkill. Mm. And then one that I was excited to share with you. Mitch Zanuck, owner of the Tides Restaurant, which is in this movie... Mm at the time of shooting told Sir Alfred Hitchcock he could shoot there at the restaurant if the lead male in the movie was named after him. <laughs> and Hitchcock gave him a speaking part in the movie. Hitchcock agreed. Rod Taylor's character was then named Mitch Brenner. 
and Mitch Zanuck was given a speaking part. After Melanie is attacked by a seagull, Mitch Zanuck can be heard saying to Mitch Brenner, What happened, Mitch? (laughs) (laughs) I guess, so we had made comments on the fact that Tippi Hedren doesn't change her clothes. Mm -hmm. Evidently, because she does wear that for the entire movie, she was provided six identical green suits for the shoot. When he gets really torn up by the birds at the end, it's kind of like, well, she she got she got a lot of use out of it. She get that she can't did she can't say that she got kind of sto- stolen time from that that. Dress. In addition to her never changing her clothes in this out, well, other than to the one nightgown, the other thing we commented on is when she pulls the nightgown out of her bag, her overnight bag. Mm-hmm. With the the other gag running gag we had going through this was the fact that she doesn't pull out a toothbrush. Then she ends up in this town for three, four days. Mm-hmm. So evidently she's gone quite a period of time without brushing her teeth. Yeah. Makes those those kiss scenes awkward. Indeed. I think we've got about as much as we're going to get out of the... is worth getting out of the trivia, so... Yeah, I mean, what, the other thing that I vaguely remember, I don't remember all the details of it, but just that they were throwing birds or stuffed birds at, at Tippy Hedren for like a day to, to get that scene at the end when she's in that room. And apparently it was extremely rough experience well it sounds like she had multiple rough filming experiences because they also train birds to fly at the door of the phone booth mm-hmm. so at the when she's trained you know films that scene in the phone booth those birds that are going at the door that's that's live birds who are trained to do that so here's a virtue of the phone booth that you won't get from your modern cell phone bird protection yeah. I mean, in the age of cell phones it's people people are getting getting got I was going to look uh, mention filming locations. Most of this does appear to have been shot in, in Bodega, uh, California, in Bodega Bay. There's a few shots in San Francisco and Los Angeles. Everything else is studio shots. Though. Yeah, and you can really tell. There's, you can clearly tell when they cut back and forth between a, the location and the studio. A scene where Rod Taylor and Tippy Hedren are kind of walking into the hillside behind the house at the at the sisters' party, and it's like location, location, oh. Studio backlot. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was obvious, but yeah, this film, regardless of any flaws, really just just functions very well. Oh yeah, yeah. it's it's such a unique thing, and it's been, it's obviously as we talked before, it's been copied a lot, but to have something like this, especially as a big deal production, like that, you've probably seen there are similar things in B B grade science fiction films. Yeah, but, to, but just the like execution, yeah, yeah, just like Psycho, which was another thing where you took a, a story that's a B a B movie story, and you just put a lot more into it, and 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 you make it you make it an A film, yeah, which they definitely did with this. Uh, one of I mean, there's so many classic films that Hitchcock made, but this is top three or top five. Yeah, it's definitely up there. How would you rate this film? Four stars, ten out of ten. Yeah, you it's think just so? absolutely iconic, and I don't know how they could have improved it. Yeah, I, I think I'm. I, uh, part of me wants to go four and nine, but at the same time, I'm like, well, what am I knocking it down for? Yeah, it's just that for me, I guess it's that nature reaction of not wanting to give very many movies ten stars. But yeah, I think I, I'm with you. I think it's a four and it's a ten. This is just iconic. It's great. It's it's entertaining. Um, like I said, I believe this is the fourth time I've seen it. It's entertaining every time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it packs a wallop. I, this is one I'd like to show my my niece and nephews. I, I, oh, I would. Too. I think there's not a lot of films of a certain age that you could be pretty confident will keep the attention of, of younger people. Yeah, but I think this is one that would. I think I'm going to have to try and talk to my siblings this year and 
try and organize like a family Halloween party. And I think I want to try and show the birds. Yeah. Just watch my, my nieces and nephews react to it. Mm. So now tougher question for you. How do you rank the four movies we watched this month? I've been thinking about this. I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to give two rankings. Okay. A ranking of iconic Hitchcock film literacy-ness, followed by a ranking of how much did I enjoy this particular viewing of these films. So in okay. terms of iconicness, number one is The Birds. Number two is North by Northwest. Number three is Shadow of a Doubt. And number four... Frenzy. Frenzy. Yeah. In terms of my enjoyment, Birds is still number one, followed by Frenzy, followed by Shadow of a Doubt, followed by North by Northwest. So North by Northwest was the, not that you didn't enjoy it, but it was of this grouping. That viewing, you know, maybe it's probably the one I'd seen the most. Well, and you saw it a little bit more recently, right? I think so. Because you streamed it off of my... I don't think I'd streamed that off of yours. Oh, really? But uh, I I think... We had talked about it several times recently. I think I I had just seen it more, and for some reason it just didn't resonate as much. Because it didn't feel as much of a rediscovery as a lot of these films were. Because it's been so long since I've really seen any of these. Well, I think I have watched North by Northwest probably four times in the last two years. Mm -hmm. And I think I've talked to you about it every single time that I've watched it. So it it certainly was the most familiar coming into all of this. I think you're right on your film literacy. The, the, yeah, the film literacy and iconography aspects. You know, you're ranking on those. I think you're right. In terms of ranking the enjoyment of watching them this time, hmm, I think you're you're pretty close. For me, I'd probably swap Frenzy and North by Northwest. North by Northwest is just such a sentimental favorite for me. So you do the birds. North I would by go Northwest. birds, Shadow of a Doubt, North by Northwest, and then Frenzy. Oh, okay. I really enjoyed watching Shadow of a Doubt. That was fun. And it was interesting that this film included different, some references to Santa Rosa, which was a yeah a close community, which of course is where Shadow of a Doubt is set. And they talk about bringing the police in from Santa Rosa. And I suppose if I had my power to do anything to improve the movie, I would have had a brief scene. With one of the cops from Santa Rosa, and it would have been the love interest, Teresa Teresa Wright's love interest from the earlier film. Yeah. Just to, to link them together. Yeah. Yeah, this was a fun month. This was a very strong month. Very pleasant, very enjoyable. I can't think of anything we could have done to make this, this month more enjoyable. No. I mean, yeah, it's Alfred Hitchcock. It's hard to go wrong. I will tell you, though. If you want kind of a creepy experience, drive late at night on a long road trip listening to Alfred Hitchcock tapes. Yeah. Did I tell you we did that as a yeah. kid? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's there's there's a lot of media to enjoy in the Alfred Hitchcock vein and in, in the stuff that he produced. There's just tons of it out there, and it's hard to go wrong with Alfred and Hitchcock. And, you know, the film work obviously is... is premiere but some of the stuff he did for television is damn strong yeah i'll have to have you look at my alfred hitchcock little bundle i bought a while ago okay later on and have you see which ones you like the most but yeah well fun enough this has been a good month pleasant month Mm -hmm. Uh, we hope you guys all enjoy it and we wish you a good evening (laughs) actually where was the alfred hitchcock cameo in this one it was very early on, he had the two dogs on the, the oh, leash okay. coming out of the building. Okay. Yeah, I missed that one. Cool. 
Well, I'm Rob. And I'm Nate. And this is Rob and Nate Record a Podcast. I was thinking, so this happens, right? California, 1963. Presumably the spring is my guess of the season of this. Probably May, something yeah. like that. That's the vibe I get. So there's going to be people who are going to be freaking blaming that liberal Pat Brown. That Governor Pat Brown's fault. I should have voted for Nixon. I knew I should have voted for Nixon. Nixon wouldn't let the birds get out of control. Uh-huh. Birds and communists, man. He he has their number. The birds were trained and sent by the communists. Yeah. Yeah. Soviet birds. They're all working together, communistically. Yep. yep. You know they they they're, they're infiltrating. Yeah. People don't notice until they take over. Yeah. I did love that like that shot when they're leaving the house and just looking out over the the valley yeah. the bay with all the birds that the apocalyptic nature of that oh yeah that's i mean this is a very apocalyptic film yeah it's the end of the world it is the end of the world yeah yeah as we know it yeah i want you wonder if something like that inspires songs like that you know mm. but who knows i guess it's probably in an interview somewhere if it if it did but yeah the dang government to bird-proof my house. It's outrageous. <laughs> I was trying to make up a, uh, come up with some sort of bird box joker reference. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it wasn't working. Well, it's like when I was trying for the longest time to make up a joke about cancel culture with a reference to the 80s band Culture Club. No. Mm-hmm. Boy, George, was that hard. <laughs> you know... I think my bad, my dad jokes are bad. Like, yeah. This, this is, you know, I I feel like me not being a dad is is a waste of all these dad jokes because I should totally be driving kids crazy on a cross country trip. Yeah, yeah. I've told you my favorite dad joke, haven't I? Uh, no. When does a joke be? Uh, when does a joke become a dad joke? When? When it becomes a parent. Boom boom. Yeah, yep. Yeah. It's my favorite dad joke. So.